Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Matthew Labosco, vitality expert, movement and mindset specialist. Welcome to the show, Matthew. Oh, thank you so much, AJ. It's great to be here. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you for coming onto the show. So we'll be talking about, you know, how to manage things when fe uh, feeling overwhelmed. So what, according to you, is feeling overwhelmed? But before that, let me ask you, because you'll be talking about, uh, you know, some health things and your advice and about your movement specialist. Uh, how does my audience know who they are listening to, who they are, you know, getting advice from and what's his background, if they can trust him or not trust him? So please tell us about your expertise, share that, and then tell us about this getting overwhelmed part. Yes, no, thank you. I think it's a very important thing to do these days. You know, before you start listening to somebody, who am I listening to and why should I listen to them? Very, very important. Um, so I'll, the quick and dirty is um, I have been, I have managed my own space myself, five orthopedic surgeries um, before I was 22. Um, I was raised in a medical model. My, my dad's a doctor, my mom's a nurse practitioner. Um, I have degrees in biology and, and psychology, uh, study neuroscience, have more certifications and different things that I could possibly list here um, when it comes to strength conditioning, um, mindfulness, meditation, um, nutrition. I, I, I've run the gamut, but what, but what I would tell you is what what I've been able to do for people working over the last two decades, working with thousands of people is getting people results. Um, that, that's, that's been my focus. So I haven't really been biased to any type of certification or way of thinking. My bias is getting a client results. Um, and to be quite honest with you, um, I've really um, went on a journey 20 years ago to challenge some of the, I would say core health paradigms um, because when I was following them to a T, my body was breaking down. My wife's body was not uh, doing great. Um, we were suffering from different types of systemic autoimmune, uh, depression, all kinds of different ailments ourselves. Um, and so challenge some of those core principles, which maybe we'll get into in our discussion today, um, and really found things that um, created vitality. Um, and that's really my whole platform is we need to stop trying to be healthy and start focusing on, on vitality. And that's a completely different paradigm, which I'm sure we're gonna jump into here. Um, but if I was to say why anybody listens to me, why anybody gets referred to me, why anybody comes to see me or work with me, it's because I've gotten a result for a friend or colleague of theirs that no one was able to get for them. So for me, it's all about results um, and actually creating the result a client is looking for in a very objective way. Right. And you have a thriving private practice and you teach online courses. And also you have written a book, uh, Healthy to Vitality, which will be published in December. Am I right? That is, that is correct. That is correct. I've been working with people privately for the last literally over two decades in the spaces of physical rehabilitation, nutrition, and also m mindset um, and helping people with stress, et cetera, which we're going to talk about here today. Um, and I teach online courses. I do master classes. So yes, there's 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 lots of things happening. And the book is coming out in December. My first book. 
which is a summary yeah. of the 20 years of me, um, you know, diving into these topics. That's great. That's good. I'm sure a lot of people will benefit from that. So, Matthew, you talked about vitality. People should uh, stop just thinking about being healthy, but also think about uh, vitality. Now, healthy itself has, you know, so many different meanings, mentally, physically, and people are still trying to struggle with that. Mm -hmm. But vitality, is it one level up or is it the better level and much more achievable sort of a thing? Can you yeah. tell us uh, about that? What exactly? It's like it's like a, a, an upgrade of a particular software. Uh, and <laughs> one step, uh, the the present was not great, but you suddenly find that the higher level up is not so higher level, but actually it is it is the better level, and that is more achievable and better in terms of functionality. Tell yeah. us about such a great question, AJ. Thanks for asking it. Um, so. Health, when you look up and, you know, some definitions of health, one that I seen pops up the most and really it makes sense based on how we address health in our society is the state of being free from illness or injury. Is that really it? Like, that's what we're shooting for? To be free from illness and injury? Like, well, there's got to be something better to your point. Right. We, we, there's got to be more here. We, we, I, please tell me there's more than just being free from illness and injury. My God, right? right. Um, vitality is, is, is defined as exuberant physical strength or mental vigor. The capacity for continuation of a meaningful and purposeful existence. The power to live and grow. I mean, sign me up for that. Like that's, that's what, that's the life I want to live. And what I have found is everything that, that we'll call the traditional way of taking care of your body, your system, systemic system, which nutrition is a piece of that, and your mind is all inside of this paradigm of being free from illness or injury. That, that foundation to me is flawed. We shouldn't be talking about what's the best strategy to avoid illness or injury. Let's talk about what's the best strategy for exuberant physical strength and mental vigor, right. for meaning and purpose, for power to live and grow. Like, so it's a completely different paradigm. And so I like how you said that, like a software upgrade. To me, it's a completely different operating system. <laughs> We're running on a different OS. <laughs> yeah, and, and perhaps you are getting free, of course. It's like vitality is better and you don't need to pay anything actually if, if you are talking in terms of Healthy versus vitality. Well, that's another great point, AJ. I think the unfortunate reality, we'll call it unintended consequences, is there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of money in keeping people vital and healthy, right? Like, you know, the money is in fixing problems, right? And so back in the day when you had like the medicine person in your village, the person that take, took care of the people in the village. Do you know they would get fired when people were sick because he, they weren't doing their job, right? right? They weren't there to help help everybody when they're sick. If everybody's in the village sick, then there's a systemic problem here. We should look at that as opposed to finding how to solve all these problems that are popping up in the village. To me, that's the health model. This is a completely different model. This is this is a model of the the person, the medical person in the village is doing his job when nobody's sick. <laughs> right, right. So now let's let's 
move away from that and talk about being overwhelmed mm. and this is such a big uh, you can call it a problem an issue or a social dilemma almost everybody uh, you feel saying this i am overwhelmed by either work there is too much of there is too much on my plate instead mm. of food there are there is this overwhelmingness on their plate and so why and and mostly it is either in terms of your uh, personal life or work life there is so much to do at home uh one thing after and uh, other and it never is over even on in work you are never over with your work and you tend to keep on working so firstly how do you look at uh, being overwhelmed as what is this this animal or is it a illness is it a disease what <laughs> is, or is it some contagious disease everybody wants to feel you know it's like being busy i am yeah. busy so mm-hmm. sometimes you know if i say i'm overwhelmed with work so i i feel important and then others also make me you know understand that i am an important person yeah so i think you touched on two very a very piece of a piece of the puzzle i think is very important aj but to 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 answer your first question like how do i relate to overwhelm i relate to it as a communication i don't relate to it as something that's bad i don't relate okay. to it as something i need to get rid of i don't look at it as something i need to manage or avoid i think in the industry right now it's we've villainized these emotions we've okay. villainized overwhelm we've villainized anger sadness all of these things we've we've turned them into villains that we have to eradicate right which again is the health model right like i have to get rid of this illness or or problem that i have called overwhelm but when you actually look at what the purpose of emotions are and overwhelm is just an emotion that's all it is right it's a communication from our physiology and our biology it's it's our friend it's a, it's an ally it's it's not a it's not an enemy that we have to like eliminate by doing breathing oh if i breathe and focus on my breath the overwhelm will go away do we want it to go away or do we want to understand what it's trying to communicate to us because right. i don't think the body 99 times out of 100 besides major pathology and major you know which is i find the exception the biology of our body and physiology is doing something to support us it's not there to ruin our day it's there as a ally and so overwhelm like any emotion is a communication so what's overwhelm communicating it's communicating all the things you said like we Wait. should pay attention yeah we're trying to get too many things done at the same time that's a good communication like like you you should probably stop focusing on getting trying to do 100 things right overwhelm that communication of overwhelm happens when we're trying to get everything done now that's okay. the only way to feel overwhelmed like we look at all the things we have to do and somewhere inside of us we believe it all has to get done now well that's impossible that's overwhelming because it can't be done so one of the simplest ways to to integrate the communication of overwhelm I'm not going to even say manage it or get rid of it but to integrate the communication of overwhelm is to listen and say you know what I need to name what's most important to me and I need to focus on that 
first. Most people don't operate inside of a context called what are, what's most important to me? Have I named what's most important to me? Do I even know what I'm trying to accomplish today? Or am I just running around like a chicken with my head cut off, right? You know, right. like right. getting pulled in a, diff a million different directions. I mean, I, I remember a time, AJ, this is a true story. When I had my clinic in LA, I had a clinic in Los Angeles when I was doing physical rehabilitation and nutritional counseling on people. I remember being in this state of overwhelm and I kid you not, I was in my office and some people may be able to relate to this. And you look at this part of your desk, like, oh, I got to get this done. And then you look at, oh, wait, no, I got to get this done. And then this other thing, oh, wait, that. I am doing a lap in my office. I'm literally running around in circles because every time something would catch my eye, oh, I need to get that done. I need to get that done. Exactly. Whole, you, you, you can relate probably, right? I think some people yes, could relate. Yes, even at home, you see a lot of people, of friends and family I see, and that is where I sometimes can, uh, you know, I differ sometimes, but I can also understand this. And especially, uh, you know, women folk, they tend to, you know, want the house to be spick and span, clean. And if there is, uh, sometimes you can, if there is some dish uh, in the sink, then you want to get that thing cleaned off. But then after an hour, something else will pour in then you would want again that to be empty or there is some speck of dust in some corner and you have noticed it and you want to get rid of that. But then uh, coming to the other side, a lot of people have that to-do list. Thank God I have never had a to-do list in my life. And the only time I'm having calendar in my life is, you know, is to just manage things uh, in terms of managing the guesting when I'm doing my podcast. Before that, I never used a calendar and I don't needed because this is a paper diary. It takes care of just small, small little things. And I write it down. And it helps me because it is very much there. It makes me use my brain. It also makes me use my fingers. It also makes me use the pen. So I know I can still write. Otherwise, you forget even the handwriting part. <laughs> now, uh, you know, having to say there is a lot of things in terms of technology. So sure. the calendar does send me out notification half an hour, one hour. It helps you remind till then it's fine. You know, I don't have too many notifications. I don't like that. But then how do you manage even in work? You write so many things, even a small thing. You get that into that tendency of writing it and your mind starts forgetting those things and start relying on writing. You remember like earlier we used to know how to switch on the TV without the remote? Now nobody knows that. <laughs> so you start forgetting. So, but the issue is here, how do you manage? I, again, I'm not using the correct. How do you deal with this positively? It is not supposed to be a negative word. So Matthew, how do you deal being overwhelmed uh, in a better manner, in a practical manner? And mm -hmm. that there are some things which are in continuity. You will never be able to put a full stop to work, whether at home or outside and, and relax immediately after that. How do you deal with this sort of a thinking that some people can tend to develop uh, with time or that's an inherent quality in that. So let's talk yeah. about the solution. Sure. So we can talk about the practicality of it. So again, to me, it all starts with what am I trying to accomplish? what's most important to me. And, you know, that's a process that I don't think a lot of people go through. 
Um, and I think it takes time to really understand what is important to you and what's meaningful to you and really understanding what are my priorities, because at the end of the day, you can't get it all done, period, end of story. That, that would be the first thing I would invite people to, to just own. I can't get it all done, nor should I, because not everything is equally as important. And so once you identify what's most important, the, what I, what I, the way I do it is I literally, I have lists. I, I write things down and I think it's a very important thing that you brought up, AJ, because you got to get it out of your head. If you get it out of your head and on a piece of paper, then your brain doesn't have to remind you of right. it all day long. Right. But, but I don't have, I don't call it a to-do list. I call it a brainstorming list um, because I don't relate to the list of things I need to do. It's a list of things that pop into my head at times that right. it may be important to do or may not be important to do. The way I determine what on my list gets done is I never have more than three things on my list any day that, that's imperative. Like there's never more than three things I absolutely have to get done. But I name what those three things are relative to what's most important to me. And anything I do outside of those three things, I consider a bonus. And that I feel right. like is a very important thing because if I get my three things done and then I get one or two other things at the end of the day, I'm like, man, I crushed it today. But if I look at my same list and I look at it and I just, I have to get all this done. And let's say I get 15 things done that day. I still feel like I'm defeated because I never named what was most important and, and, and related to it as these are the most imperative things. The difference between important and imperative. I think everybody thinks everything's important, but not everything's imperative. And so when we can identify, well, what's, what's mission critical to get done today? No more than three is my rule. No more than three. After the three, have at it. Just go into bonus time and celebrate the fact that you got into the bonus. Right, right, Matthew. Is that also can be a case with some people that they tend to become obsessive about it? So it, beyond, it moves beyond a normal uh, sort of an overwhelming feeling and it needs some sort of, you know, uh, intervention of an outside uh, help, suggestion. I'm not in talking in terms of some medical medicines and all, yeah. but maybe somebody who is able to help you see things in a better perspective. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been on the phone with hundreds of people that are in a complete state of, I would even say, panic. Uh, yeah, that's where, that's where, sorry to interrupt, but then it leads to certainly sometimes anxiety and, as you said, panic. So 100%. that becomes then a bit of a concern, concerning sort of result. So. Yeah, I mean, to me, when it gets to that point, it's our communication system basically saying, okay, you're not listening to me. Now I'm going to really make sure you listen. And so they, the volume just keeps getting turned up higher and higher and higher. And so, yeah, it's, it's not easy to manage that on your own because you can't see what you can't see. And so when somebody comes to me in that state, number one, acknowledging that you're there and reaching out for help, like that's step one. Like you can't really do anything if we're not even aware or looking to change my the situation I'm in. And so when someone reaches out to me or, or looks for some support, I do take them through the steps that I just named, which is, okay, I hear you're overwhelmed. What's the goal here? What are you trying to accomplish? I, I can't tell you 
how important that question is. Because when I ask people that question, do you know what most of them say? They say, I don't really know what I'm trying to accomplish. I just have to get all this done. And I'm like, why? So I play the be, be like my five-year-old and ask why a hundred times, right? It's like, well, why? Why do you need to get all this done? Well, I just got to, it's on my, okay, well, why? Well, it's because of my work. Well, well, why do you have to get it done for your work? Well, because if I don't, I'll get fired. Okay, like, it, like okay, so, so is, the, is the goal here not to get fired? What are we trying to accomplish here, right? And so it's, it's, it's getting to the destination because a lot of times I feel like we're, we're making decisions and choices without putting the destination in our navigation system. Like, well, where are we trying to go? Like if someone asked me, Matt, is this a good technique? Should I breathe? Should I, should I meditate? Should I, should I, um, you know, take this herb? Should I stand on my head? Should I put a crystal next to my head when I'm sleeping? Like what, what should I do, Matt? The only question I ask is, I don't know, where are you trying to go? What are we trying to accomplish here? Because it would be like me saying, AJ, should I make a right or a left when I leave my development? What are you going to say? I don't know, Matt, where are you trying to go? Oh, well, I'm trying to go to the supermarket. It's like, oh, well, if you want to go to the supermarket, you should make it right. Right. And so to me, what, what helps people to get out of that state. And, and when I see somebody come into that place in, in that panic, it's, it's slowing down and asking, well, what are you trying to accomplish here? And, and we can name one or two things we can do to move you very objectively in that direction. And as soon as we identify that and start to put in the actions, you'll see that the emotional communication of overwhelm no longer needs to be screaming at you because it's being addressed. So that, that would be interesting to know. But uh, before that, you come to that holistic sort of stuff. First thing is, uh, suppose it's 11 o'clock and 12 o'clock at night, and one is feeling suddenly a bit overwhelmed and is feeling anxious. Now, that is a very crucial moment at that point in time for any individual. The person is not aware exactly how, what is happening. It, the person can only tell how he or she is feeling about it. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it can be a difficult moment if you are all alone. You just don't know. You are a movement and mindset specialist expert, uh, Matthew. Is there something at that point in time? It's like somebody is having a heart attack. Then the doc doctor says you have uh, what the tablet is. I don't know. Maybe something that you put under your. Yeah. You know, yeah. 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 So that will help you. That yeah. will uh, increase uh, help you uh, and increase your golden hour. Perhaps yeah. that's what they call golden hour. That window, so that yeah. you can reach the hospital and doctors are able to take care of you. Have given them some time that yeah. for, for your bed. The same yeah. way, somebody is in, in that zone. You, as I said, you are a movement and mindset expert. Is it that they think in a particular manner so that they can, if they are at 100, they come down to say 50, 60, 30, 40, mm -hmm. and then they realize or somebody tells them that, listen, now it's time to take some help from outside. Or in terms of movement, is there something which can, you know, uh, either in terms of uh, pressure or somebody, something or you know anything that you know better that helps them well from both ways like as I said movement as well as mindset or thoughts yeah. 
that can help them come back from that moment? Yes, no. So again, great question. So it's it's kind of looking at how do I how do I manage the symptom of this experience I'm having in my nervous system, right? Um, like what do we do in those in those in those situations? And that's an important. So the tool there is 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 an important thing to have in your toolbox. So yes, if we're if we're addressing the symptom that hopefully will take us to the next step calling this is a signal that i need to address something bigger just like knee pain if my knee hurts what can you do to eliminate the pain well you could take an advil right right? but maybe we need to look at why your knees hurting so i understand your question so if if someone was to wake up and feel overwhelmed panicky etc there's a couple things you can do with your breath that can shut off fight or flight Okay, so what's happening in that moment is obviously the system is responding as if there is some type of emergency, right? Um, it could be overreactive for whatever reason. And so there's a couple techniques that I have found to be the most, most powerful in those moments. Um, and one of them is taking the, 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 the deepest inhale you can possibly try to take, hold it, so if you took a deep breath in, if you could get it to four or five, six seconds, hold it, and then exhale and try to double the amount of time on your exhale as your inhale. So if I did a five second inhale, I would try to exhale for 10 seconds. And now right away, you're probably not gonna be able to do that. So maybe right away, it's like I can breathe in for two seconds. So it's like, all right, I'm gonna try to exhale for four. Now I'm going to try to get to five or six. And so as you do that, you're basically getting the nervous system from what's called the sympathetic state to a parasympathetic state. And so you're, you're through that breathing process, you're basically telling the nervous system to calm down. Now, after doing that for a couple minutes, I personally, I'm a, I'm a heart math, um, you know, practitioner. I've been certified in heart math, a, a fantastic resource, but I have seen, heart-focused breathing, they, they have done some incredible research about just focusing on your heart, okay? And I always have people just have put their hand on their heart. So after you do that first, like, kind of like, it's a little bit more aggressive, I'm taking that big, deep breath in, I'm pushing the air out a little longer, because sometimes you got to hit it a little harder. Sometimes just putting your hand on your heart and breathing doesn't cut it, depending on the state. But if you can do that for a minute or two, and then put your hand on your heart and just literally try to breathe a five-second in, and a five second out, but focus on your heart. So what do I mean by focus on your heart? You can focus on the idea of your heart. You could focus on the actual organ of your heart. But what they have found is if you take your focus and just put your focus on your heart, you, you and this is, an, this is also a fun fact if, if, for those that may not know this, there is more communication going from your heart to your brain than there is from your brain to your heart. So your, your, your heart is actually doing more communicating to the brain than the brain's doing to the heart. So the, the brain is actually listening more to your heart than your heart is listening to your brain, which is really right. cool, actually. We can take advantage of that. And so when we focus on our heart, we put our hand on our heart, we take those deep breaths in, it literally tells the brain that everything's okay. And it goes into this state um, called... Uh, coherence. Uh, the Heart Math Institute calls it brain coherence. 
And when you can breathe in a certain way and you get your heart rate variability at a certain um, frequency and amplitude, they have found that your whole brain goes into coherence. And so what do I mean by brain coherence? It's like an orchestra that's now playing the same song. When we're in fight or flight, it's like the tubas are doing their thing, the, the drums are doing their thing, everybody's on their di a different page and it's just a lot of noise, right? And so one of the ways we can create that coherence is through our heart. And there's some apps you can, you can get uh, that the, the heart math has. I use that with my clients a lot for these specific situations um, and they really help. And the cool thing about the heart math app, I don't work for heart math, so this has nothing to do with me just for the record. Um, they, they have an app that gives you objective feedback about when you're actually in coherence, which is pretty cool. I, sometimes it's hard to objectify these things, right, AJ? It's so subjective. So I have found that having, it's called the Inner Balance app, it gives some objective feedback and I have found that to be super helpful for clients in that particular situation that you're naming. Right, right, Matthew. So, and in terms of movement, what should one do? One should just sit still on the chair, on the bed, uh, side of the bed, or some people keep pacing up and down. So what should, what would be the best, you know, thing in terms of movement? Uh, is there any particular thing that one can do that in, will also help in terms of the breathing exercise? Yeah, I think in this particular situation, this specific situation, I would recommend people get into whatever situ whatever position is the most comfortable. So if oh. it's comfortable to lie down, lie down. If it's if you have a comfy chair in your bedroom, sit in your comfy chair. If you like sitting on the floor, sit on the floor. I, I I'm more for getting the body to be comfortable when we're trying to enter that parasympathetic state. Um, movement is a stimulation, right? And so there's definitely a place for regulating the system with movement. But in this particular case, it's about being comfortable. Like, I don't think you need to get on a meditation pillow. You don't need to get into any particular position that's right. uncomfortable for so many of us. Like, just be comfortable, be comfortable, whatever that may look like for you and then just allow the body to relax. Like um, Yoga Nidra has some really cool techniques where they literally walk you through relaxing every part of your body, you know, starting at your feet and going to your ankles and your calves. And that I have found to be very helpful in those situations too, in leveraging the physiology of the body to help calm the system down. But in general, my, 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 my recommendation to people in that situation is just be comfortable whatever that means to you. Right, right, Matthew. Now, uh, is getting overwhelmed and stress, are they uh, very similar to one another or the same thing? Or are they different? How should people look at that? Because you say that eliminating stress is detrimental to your health. You obviously mean it in a positive manner. Please help <laughs> everybody understand both the part of it. One is uh, overwhelm, stress, vis-a-vis -vis one another, and then how? what do you mean by that you should not try to eliminate too much of your stress? Yeah. What so, people understand of it? Yeah. So this is another like major paradigm shift when it comes to stress. So I'm so glad you brought it up. So, so number one, to answer your first question, what's the difference between overwhelm and stress? 
Um, I don't distinguish between those two as far as the mindset is concerned. Um, when you really break down someone who is in the state of traditional stress. So I also want to just acknowledge that there's physical stress to the system, right. like sitting all day or, you know, getting hit with a baseball in your shin. That's a form of stress. And we're not talking about that. We're talking about more of the mental, emotional stress, just to clarify um, what we're speaking to here. And so when it comes to that, um, yeah, um, overwhelm, sadness, and all of these things are communications from the system that we need to address something in the space because it's not in alignment with who and what we want to be in our, in our life. That's how I look at stress. The stress response is literally my navigation system saying, pay attention, you're going down the wrong, you're, you're heading in the wrong direction. Relative to what's most important to you, we're not moving in the right direction. Okay. And that, that's a whole other conversation we can have is how to define what's really important to you because there's our physiological and biological needs that, that are number one, good old Maslow helped us with that Maslow's pyramid. Right. And then there's the things beyond, are we safe? Do we have food? Right. Those, those are the base communications. You can't override those, but from a standpoint of this communication system, it's basically telling us that we're either aligned with what's most important to us or we're not. And so coming from that framework, some of the latest research on the stress response, which really I have taught, I apologize to any clients that might be listening to this who I've worked with in the past, because I did, I taught you the wrong way. <laughs> so I apologize. Um, call me and I'll make it, I'll give you the better information. This idea of trying to eliminate stress, but 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 some of the latest research and um, some phenomenal Aaliyah Crum from Stanford, Kelly McGonigal did a phenomenal TEDx talk. I mean, there's just brilliant people out there doing some really cool stuff. But what they found was that the number, the thing that created all of the negative effects of stress, like decreased performance, diminishing health, and diminishing well-being, because what they found was stress can have this negative effect on people, but could also have this major positive effect, right? Because what is the stress response really? It's the system giving you resources to address something that's out of alignment. So it's increasing heart rate, it's giving you energy fast to address the situation. Well, that can be really, that can also increase performance. Right. It actually improves immunity when it's on and overall well-being. So they've seen that too. So what's the difference? Why does one create improved performance, better health, better well-being, and the other one killing people? Because that's real too. Stress is literally killing people. And what they have found, which is just mind-blowing to me, is it all depends on how we relate to stress. Okay. If people look at stress as a bad thing, if they look at it as something that's there, that's inhibiting them, that's an obstacle that they have to overcome, that they have to avoid, that's the thing, that's the reason why, to the point where they measured the constriction of our arteries and the people that relate to stress as a bad thing, they're the ones whose arteries shrink. The people that are looking at stress as a something that's there as, a, as an ally, as something there to support them, they're finding that that arterial wall does not contract. I mean, right. mind-blowing stuff, right? The other fascinating thing about the stress response, which just fascinates me about the, bi the biology of the body. So we know about adrenaline and we know that gets released in cortisol, but one of the hormones that gets released 
in the stress response as well is a hormone called, um, uh, oh my God, I just blanked, oh, uh, oh my God, what I just blanked on it. Oxytocin, sorry, oxytocin, okay. just escaped my brain. Oxytocin in some circles is referred to as the cuddle hormone. I know it's kind of okay. funny, right? But this hormone triggers us to connect with people. It, 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 it's a social hormone. And so okay. when the stress response goes off, we have our biology is basically saying, hey, reach out to somebody. Hey, go support somebody. Hey, go ask right. for some support. I just think that's just amazing to me, AJ, how amazing okay. our body is. Okay. 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 Got it. Got it. So you should treat it more like something which is there to help you to accomplish and rather to destroy you. Correct. It's, it, it's like, it's like, you know, uh, everybody is, a lot of people I've seen, oh, I got to be happy. Uh, why I'm not happy? Why I'm not feeling happy? But actually the person is happy. There's something called content. When you are content and you don't have to shout from the rooftop that you are happy. And I guess you speak it out so many times that actually you become unhappy about being happy because you don't know what happy being happy is all about. You also some, but I don't know if you are, we are talking about the same thing, but Matthew, you say that the dangers of pursuing happiness, you talk about that. So what is that? Because see, all these things are so interconnected, stress, yes. being overwhelmed, then you, uh, this, uh, about happiness, about all those things. And you know about uh, that overwhelmingness is about getting communication, being in communication with yourself, with, with, uh, with all the things in your body. So these are very intricate issues, topics, and people have to listen and understand these things uh, that these were made by God in a positive manner as a response of our system towards different ways, it was like you fight or flight. That was also because your brain will understand whether you can fight or flight is the better option. So mm -hmm. how do you look at this particular happiness that this issue should not become a, a, a problem? Happiness should not become a problem in itself. Uh, yes. Please help us understand this better. Yeah, so this idea that, you know, uh, pursuing, pursuing happiness can be detrimental. And the reason why I say this is hap feeling happy is, is an emotion, it's an emotional state. And so if you remember from earlier in our conversation, I mentioned that emotions are communication systems. And so the, the name of the, 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 when the goal is that my emotions communicate positive things to me all the time, then it makes the, we'll call them negative emotions, the enemy. Okay. And I'm not doing it right. So if I'm sad or to your point, AJ, I'm content, but I'm not joyfully screaming from the mountaintops. I must yeah. be doing it wrong. It creates this kind of, I need to feel good emotions. I need to stop feeling bad emotions. If this is the goal, we're missing the point of life in my opinion. Okay. Again, emotions are communication systems that tell us when we're aligned with what's meaningful to us and when we're not. So if, so my, my, my invitation to people is stop focusing on trying to be happy and start naming what's most meaningful and purposeful to you. And let's focus on, on living that life. 
let's live meaning and purpose. The byproduct of living in alignment with meaning and purpose is happiness, is fulfillment, is joy. That's the byproduct. It's not the thing, that's not the goal. It's the byproduct of living meaningful and purposeful life. If I could connect an IV to you that made you happy all the time, but you, you just had to sit in a room, but you couldn't go out, you couldn't connect with anybody, you couldn't, you, know, you couldn't learn, you couldn't grow, you couldn't have relationships, but you'll be happy. I don't think anyone would sign up for that, right? And so the goal isn't happiness. I understand why it's turned into that, AJ, and I think because a lot of people are in, can't get these emotional systems that are communicating things to them, like overwhelmed sadness. They don't know what to do with it because no one taught them how to, what to do with it. People are just telling them to shut it off by doing different things. And not that there's not a place for that, okay? But when I say pursuing happiness can be detrimental, that's what I'm speaking to. And, and again, I use this navigation analogy, AJ, because when you put in a destination in your, in your navigation system, the goal, isn't, the goal is to get to that destination. The goal isn't, I hope the navigation system is nice to me. I hope it's telling me I'm doing a good job. No matter what I'm doing, I just want it to tell me I'm doing a good job. No, that's not the goal. The goal is to get to the destination because that's what's meaningful to me. That's what, that's what, that, that's what, that's the goal is meaning and purpose. And like I said, I don't think a lot of us take the time to define what that is. Right. Earlier, as the song goes, don't worry, be happy. So it's <laughs> not that your worries will go so you'll be happy. It's just that you worries will always be there, but you have to be happy at the same time. Uh, and and this is the way life is. You can't have, you know, it's like you have different seasons. So it's like happiness and worries, they are all part of it. If you don't know hunger, how do you know what uh, deliciousness is all about? You got it. You got it. Exactly. Yeah. So, Yin and yang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Matthew, one more question related to this is that when you are in stress, getting overwhelmed, or, you know, any other feeling that you are having, your other ailments also flare up. Uh, something, you know, something some, something say related to back pain. Before that, you were all right. Suddenly, you are feeling some stressful situation and the back pain comes in. And, and suddenly, you discover you have back pain. Mm. And so, or any other pain. You know, I've seen people around me as I have grown up. Even for kids, if they don't want to go to school, the stomach pain will. But that's uh, that's a, only a small part. They're acting. Or maybe they're actually feeling those butterflies if they haven't done their homework or something like that. <laughs> yes. But in the real world, in the adult world, uh, is that how do you relate to this back pain? Uh, do you, how do you see it? And why are there so many people <laughs> suffering from back pain? Is it that the quality of chairs have deteriorated and only the prices <laughs> have gone up all across the world? <laughs> or is it that, that offices, offices are not providing good chairs, good, good, enough, good enough chairs across the world? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's it, AJ, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, why do people have back pain? Well, um, any physical pain in the body and, uh, and no matter if somebody comes to me and, you know, I've worked with people with back pain, shoulder pain, like that's where my journey started and, and when I had my clinic in LA, this is all I did was work with people that had you will call it orthopedic injuries. And what I learned through working with people for 20 years is there's three variables that 
will contribute to any of anybody who's in pain. There's three variables. I don't care who you are, these three things are variable. There's the, the mechanical variable, meaning like we sit in the wrong chair uh, or you know um, we're just too sedentary, okay? So there's a mechanical influence to someone's back pain. Then there's the systemic influence. Um, maybe uh, you eat uh, McDonald's seven times a day and don't have a very healthy diet. So there's inflammation in the system and maybe that's contributing to it. And then the third piece, which is what you brought up here is the mental emotional stress, right? Like my back only hurts when I'm stressed out. So those three variables are always influencing. I've never seen an example of, of those three not influencing. I don't care if you have ankle pain, knee pain, whatever, headaches, those three things are variables. So when I work with somebody, my question is which one of those three is having the greatest influence because that's where we're gonna start, okay? And so just to speak to the mechanical piece, because I would say that this is a big one for most people because of what you just said, it's not that our chairs are not perfect, and I know you were saying that in jest, it's that we sit too much, period, okay? And so the system was not designed to sit, period of end of story. I, I remember somebody a while back said, this is probably you know, maybe 10 to 20 years ago said, sitting is the smoking of our generation. And I was like, God, that's, that's brilliant. And, and it's spot on um, because the system wasn't designed to be sedentary. So, so because we sit so much, um, we lock our hips up. Okay. They get stuck in this hip flex position. Our okay. hips are a ball and socket joint designed to rotate, but when they get stuck, the spine, the low spine, low back in particular, is not designed to rotate a lot. The, the, the gross rotation of our lumbar spine is somewhere between 14 and 16 degrees, depending on what book you look at. And so it's not a lot of rotation. That's why it lives on these ball and socket joints. But if we sit for five hours a day, those soft tissues around the hips get very stuck. And so the body always follows the path of least resistance. And so it starts to ask the spine to do the job of the hip. And over, and the crazy thing about the body is it will do it, but it will tap out eventually. It's like, man, I can't do this anymore. And then we'll have back pain. We'll have herniated discs. We'll have all the things you hear about. And so that definitely can't, is a variable, I think, for pretty much everybody, just because our society sits. But let's say there's an irritation in the spine. So we're kind of, there's a compromise from a, funk, from a mechanical standpoint, but now we're stressed out of our mind, right? And so that area already has less tolerance for, for the system being inflamed. So it's the first thing to talk to you. And so some people, it's like when they're stressed, it's their shoulder. Uh, you know, for me, I had ulnar nerve damage in my arm. Like when I get stressed, my arm would hurt because that was kind of the, we'll just call it the weak link or the compromise, what was compromised structurally. But if I had to say, why do most people have back pain? It's because we sit. That, like, yeah, some we, people I, start having pain on the right side of their heart. So they don't know which side their heart is. And <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, that can be very difficult to explain. Right, right, Matthew. You have put this very, very nicely. And I'm sure a lot of people will benefit out of this, you know, information, understanding of uh, the human body, mind, stress, overwhelm, and happiness and contentment, or not so happiness and you know only contentment. Perhaps that does not gel sometimes, <laughs> so that they have, they can differentiate uh, uh, in in all these things. 
Now, uh, Matthew, talking about your type of clients, what is the type of people who connect with you for help, for assistance, for advice, for your, you know, uh, as your clients? Yeah, so I would say right now, um, the people that are coming to me or being referred to me mostly to work in my one-on-one practice are people that are, I would say right now, managing something in one of their relationships. I would say that's probably one of the biggest things, uh, whether it's managing things with their children, their significant other, um, working with people that are just managing the space with their, you know, el- el- parents that are aging and how do I manage that? And, you know, so I think the relationship thing is a big thing. And I think because right. of COVID and the fact that we were all kind of stuck in the same room with each other, <laughs> all of this stuff came exploding out for people, um, things that we didn't necessarily have, were forced to face in some of our relationships. I would say right now, that's probably the space that I'm working predominantly with. Um, but also people that come in with, you know, I got a tennis player that just came to see me um, who had a hamstring, hamstring issue, hamstring pain. Um, so I have a very diverse clientele and that's what makes it so much fun to work with because I mean, I've, I have some clients that are 16. I have some client who's 90 or uh, 89 who just published her first book, you know, so um, quite diverse. But if I had to name the place that I'm probably working with the most right now, it's helping people manage their, their relationships. Um, yeah. I asked this so that, you know, people can know uh, in what things they can connect with you. Because I saw also some videos on YouTube of yours that, you know, in this gym and all with all that instruction and back pain and how to do those things in the right manner. Those are very cool ones and very educative. And I'm sure if people uh, which uh, can watch those videos, they will certainly l- learn a lot of things uh, which they can, you know, use for in their day-to-day lives. Uh, because uh, I really like them and I'm sure I will use them. In fact, I'll put uh, de- details about, uh, about that YouTube part of yours uh, so that you know, people are able to see them on the YouTube description of this particular episode. So that will thank help. you, AJ. Right. And I, so and I also have a blog, AJ, that I, I'm putting yes. out content every week. So that's another place people can. And I'm, my yes. thing is about giving people value as much as possible. So yeah, in I fact, can't work with everybody. So right. In fact, you must, you must, uh, you know, uh, let's also share. Uh, you also share as to how people can connect with you, and what are the different ways uh, that they can. Yes, my, my website's probably the best, MatthewLabosco.com. I'm not super active on social media right now, but I'm starting to get more involved there. Um, but uh, <laughs> but it is I'm okay. Get... <laughs> but, uh, is, is it okay, AJ? I'm not sure. You know? It is. Um, it is. <laughs> you, are, you are content, but you are trying to be happy. <laughs> thank you, sir. Thank you. See, yeah, we're, yeah. we're all in the same boat at the end of the day, aren't uh. we? Um, but yeah, so my website um, definitely is a great place, um, and my blog is probably the two two places. I also do classes and stuff, so that's another way you can work with me one on one at a at a you know at a little bit easier um, you know uh, price point. So great, great. I'll put all that information on the YouTube description so that it helps. It can guide people to the right destination. That is you. So my last question to you, Matthew, is about your book, Healthy to vitality. Uh, what does this book entail? What can people look forward to uh, when it comes out in December? What exactly will it have in terms of for them? Yeah, so this Health to Vitality, um, 
you know, liberate yourself from the shackles of traditional healthcare and empower yourself to create a life of vitality and fulfillment. That's what this book's about. And it's really a synopsis of my 20 years of going through all this stuff myself, you know, from the orthopedic stuff that I had to manage to the different systemic issues I had and my wife had. My wife is, is in the book and she's an incredible uh, ally of mine and partner in this and has her story in it. She struggled with lots of different things, her stories in there and how we navigated that. Um, and then also this whole, you know, how to partner with stress and how to partner with your emotions. I mean, it's, it kind of, kind of points out some of the things that I think we need to be mindful of and just be cautious of like, Hey, these things may not really be helpful as we thought they were. So I just kind of like flag those things as, as I call it the health paradigm. And then I introduce the vitality paradigm and give people an entire framework on how to take care of their body physically for vitality, how to take care of their systemic state with nutrition for vitality, um, and then their mindset. How do I partner with my physiology and biology as opposed to fighting against it and trying right. to get it to shut off? So the book is literally my 20 years of working with thousands of people and myself um, that have gotten the results that I've seen for thousands of people. So there's also a ton of resources that come with the book. I have summary videos, templates. Like I, I am literally trying to give people the, the things that they can use so they can empower themselves to really live the life I think we're all here to live, which is meaning, purpose, vitality, and fulfillment. Wonderful. Wonderful, Matthew. Thank you so much for all this information, for all this insight into human mind and the human body. Thank you so much indeed. My pleasure, AJ. Thank you so much for having me. On this note, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you once again. Thank you.